bin. Did you go turn that off? Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast that dives headfirst into the proverbial deep end of our favorite spacefaring franchise on the road to its next entry coming just next month, Star Trek Lower Decks, and we are Discovery Debrief. I'm co-host Chris Clown. I'm joined as usual by members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, although I guess it's not quite as usual anymore, but you take my meaning. Rachel Clow. Hey. <laughs> Zaki Hassan. Hello. And Cicero Holmes. Man, this bridge is getting kind of crowded. <laughs> Indeed it is because we have a very special guest joining us, someone who has been extraordinarily supportive of this show in the past, and we are very pleased to welcome him onto our command deck for this discussion, Mr. Dan Decker. Dan, how you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm doing fantastic. It's absolutely a privilege and pleasure to be here. Hi, everyone. Oh, well, the, the, the pleasure is all ours, I assure you. Before we actually kind of jump in and catch up with everybody else, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you've been up to in the Star Trek fandom that you'd like people to potentially check out? Oh, wow. So <clears throat> I, uh, I hail from central Arkansas uh, and I work for a well-known fruit company and um when I'm not doing that, I play an insane amount of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I have a wonderful, lovely spouse, Trisha, and um, three uh, wonderful boys that I uh, have to help keep up with. And um, other than that, I spend an inordinate amount of time on Twitter under the handle of the Commodore because Commodore Decker. And uh, <laughs> uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I just try to be as uh, fun and positive and informative as I can about our favorite franchise uh, while I'm out there. That's excellent. And that totally aligns with, uh, with I think, the things that we try to do on as regular a basis as we can all get together. You were actually um, kind of an early uh, listener to Debrief, if I'm not too mistaken. How exactly did you find us, if you don't mind my asking? I probably stumbled into it from having heard uh, Cicero on The Incomparable at some point mention it <laughs> and uh, uh, or found it through you know, mentioning it on Twitter at some point, I'm sure. But yeah, I went through the entire back catalog and got caught up to present day and uh, have just stayed caught up since. Well, uh, I'm sorry that I've made that really easy for you <laughs> just because <laughs> we haven't gotten together in uh, very regularly in so long, but uh, we appreciate all of the support that you've demonstrated to us and uh, and you have um, you you've kind of dived headfirst into uh, Star Trek podcasting as well, right? Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I, it's uh, on the surface, it's not a Star Trek podcast, but uh, it, you get a couple of Trekkies on the mic, and it's going to inevitably become a Star Trek podcast. And so uh, <laughs> it's called Bourbon, uh, Bad Choices in Bourbon, and it's um, available on all your catchers of choice. And you can find it uh, on Twitter at Bourbon Bad on Twitter. But yeah, it's um, been going now into the 55th uh, release. Wow. So just over a year's worth of content now. And um, just one excellent guest after the other. Some fun, notable folks, Cicero himself. Of course, you are all invited at some point to be guests if you'd like. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, you know, Noah uh, Abermatt-Kotz from Star Trek Discovery uh, played Ren, has been on the show. Joe Malazzi, who uh, one of the uh, co-show runners for Stargate and Atlantis and Universe. Uh, has been on the show. John Billingsley, our favorite Dr. Flox. Um, and then, but, you know, more important than any of that are just the, the regular folks uh, that I've had the pleasure of meeting and, and inviting onto the show and just helping 
the rest of the community get to know them. That's spectacular. Well, we're we're honored to have you, and it's it's great that you've been able to uh, to, to give it such regularity, you're about to, to surpass the amount of episodes that we have in totality. So that- well, it's, you know, it's a labor of love and honestly a selfish indulgence. Cause if I didn't have something like that to mark the time, I don't know what would honestly, well, and uh, sticking to a weekly releases is, is kept me honest. <laughs> well, and I imagine over the past year or two, it's always been good to have a, uh, an outlet of positivity because it's been, mm-hmm. It, it's been an interesting one, everybody. Mm-hmm. We've all we've all been through it. So, well, thank you, Dan, once again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's check in with the other members of our panel. Hey, uh, Zachy, let's begin with you. Zachy, tell us what you have been up to since the last time we all got together, because it's been almost, gosh, it's almost been two months already. Uh, how has the beginning of your summer gone, and has it had any trek attached to it? Um, uh, well, so this is, th- this summer I'm teaching two classes asynchronously. So in other words, they're hundred percent online and it's just a matter of me uploading all my course materials and then they watch them and they go through, go through them at their own leisure. So I have, this is the first time in 15 years, I don't have summer school in the traditional sense. And so this is as close as I'm getting to summer vacation and I'm, I'm beside myself because I get to sleep in. And I get to sleep late, and and it's just it's just very exciting. Um, <laughs> well, it sounds so it sounds like it's uh, a brand new experience. You're typically, uh, and I I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but it sounds a little like you're burning the candle at both ends. But you're also very good at it, so I'm not going to get in your way. But uh, I hope that things continue to go well for you in terms of um, of Trek stuff. Have you been able to to check into anything? I know that. Uh, catching up on the third season of Disco was a little bit of a challenge for you. Have you been able to chip away at that at all? Uh, I, I I've moved so sort of slowly th- through it, and and I mean it the the show it it has been a challenge because what I'm realizing is uh, I'm 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 really looking forward to Trek not being uh, so heavily serialized. That's really like like season three of Discovery has made me look forward to season one of Strange New World. Um, that's my realization because I'm I'm I enjoy the 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 variety of having a continuing storyline which we've done you know for uh, for me at least you know two and a half years because I'm still not done with season three but I'm kind of like you know what I'm I'm ready for like the 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 enterprise solves a problem and sails off into space and and that's that, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that. <laughs> maybe a couple of little chuckles at the end and maybe some music that goes. Da, 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 da. Exactly. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's so funny because, because if you remember uh, during, during the latter days of the Rick Berman era, he, he would get like dog piled on in the fan press because he, his, his approach, Rick Berman's was so very much beholden to that traditional, you know, syndication proof approach. And, uh, you know, people were like, you know, we want more, we want more connectivity. We want more serialization. And I'm definitely not against that. I, I enjoy that. Uh, but you, you definitely see the wisdom of that as well, because I, you know, I've had time, you know, and it's one of those things where I'm like, Okay, uh, gonna watch Discovery, or you know what? I just kind of feel like watching a Next Generation. I just throw that on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's I'm I'm in hindsight I'm I'm appreciating Rick Berman uh, for something that he he took a lot of grief for. Yeah, and I I understand that. You know, um, I in the middle of of Discovery season three, I was generally pretty enthralled in in the story that it was telling, but. You still, at some point, especially if you're kind of a long, more long time fan, um, you, you kind of long for what Trek used to be in terms of its format. Um, but at the same time, too, since I know that Strange New Worlds is coming and since they've at least expressed the idea that they want it to be a little more episodic, um, I guess that helped it go down a little bit more smoothly, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we also have um, Lower Decks to look forward to, which is largely episodic. I think it has some components of through line, and obviously it's a far more comedic show. But um, at the same time, I, I still think the heart is there. 
So I'm looking forward to seeing how that shakes out. But I don't, I don't blame you for feeling the way that you do. But I will be interested to know uh, how parts of Disco Season 3 lands with you. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation with you for, for what it's worth. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cicero, my friend, uh, what have you been up to in the last couple of months? And uh, how has that been uh, intertwining with Trek? I, t- I boldly went uh, where um, many retirees have gone before, and that is the Florida Keys. Um, <laughs> I went on a, a great trek of driving from the northern suburbs of Chicago to the southernmost tip of the continental U.S., um, the Florida Keys, uh, a, a well over 1,500-mile trip um one way and um I, yeah i paid for it so but it was it was a fantastic time i really enjoyed myself um and uh i more importantly enjoyed the people that i was with because it was family and uh and uh had a great time but boy was that a lot of driving uh it was a lot of traveling it yeah. was a a great trek a great road trek as it were um but let's see as for uh, how I've been interacting with Trek. I haven't really. So I have stopped my broadcast, reverse broadcast order rewatch of Star Trek with the, with TOS. I'm at the end. Um, hey guys, I've got a, I've got a level with you. It's kind of hard sometimes to get through TOS. Oh no, man! Don't say it, to it, me. it is. It is. It is. It is kind of hard. It, it's especially kind of hard getting through TOS, um, because I have been watching lots of space sci-fi, oh. and and I had been watching lots of Star Trek based space sci-fi as well. And, but it's newer Star Trek. So, like, by the time I got to TOS, the the stories were were much more simple. The the set designs were much more simple. The effects, of course, are much more simple. And like, you know, so it's it's more of a study of where we were in that time. And obviously, there are some fantastic stories within TOS uh, that I've that I've seen. But watching the show itself. Uh, I, I'm not. It's not catching me the way that I'd want it to. Can I? Can I posit uh, a theory quickly? Sure. Is it possible that the other space-based sci-fi that you're taking in at the moment has had so much of itself influenced by TOS that when you 100%. sit down to watch TOS, it's almost like you're watching a rerun? Y- y- yes. 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 And and then some, right? Well, because especially the first season of TOS, largely ignored. There was so best. yeah. There were so there were so many there were so many moments where they were still trying to find their way, right? So then you know, so you have these characters where you're like, who are these guys? Uh, and then you know, like Chekhov just shows up at some point, <laughs> and you're like, "What? Where has he been? Like, how did wh- what happened to the other dude?" And then there was there was uh, um, it wasn't even Major Barrett, so it wasn't even uh, the nurse. There was some other blonde uh, yeoman. Yeoman Rand. You're talking about Janice Rand. Yeah, yeah, Janice Rand. Who? Yeah, like Yeoman Rand was there. And she was doing stuff. And then Uhura was singing songs. Like there were lots of really weird things that were happening. Dude, it was the 60s. It was the Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, man, it's uh, don't be a Herbert. Right. Don't be a Herbert, man. Um, so yeah, so like it's it's every time I sit down to watch, and you know, and part of part of it also is that I've been sitting and I've been watching lots of sci-fi with my stepson, uh, Roger. So um, I got him into Lower Decks. Uh, he he really fell in love with the Orville. Uh, we watched all of BSG over the pandemic. Ah. Um, then yeah. now we're watching The Expanse. I got him to watch Firefly. So like we've been we've been 
just diving deep, deep, deep into into like spacefaring sci-fi and of all different varieties. And I know that the roots are Star Trek uh, and TOS specifically. Um, but these other things have done it better, more sophisticated in, in many ways. And they the stories were were better connected and constructed um, and didn't have me scratching my head about like how they're trying to do things in the way that uh, season one of TOS has been doing. So it's interesting. This has been the one point in my rewatch where I feel like this was a mistake. <laughs> I should have, I should have watched TOS. I should have watched TOS and then gone like, and then gone back and 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 watched the rest of them. You have been a little spoiled on some of the ways that Star Trek has developed over time because yes, yes it is like even as as an avowed TOS fanatic, it, it doesn't cost me anything to acknowledge that you know they're still finding their footing. They had no idea mm-hmm. that this was going to spawn. A, uh, a multimedia franchise that would persist over five decades after they were shooting that on the Desilu sound stages. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Um, I disagree with you <laughs> in a fair amount of respects, but I, th- right. but I, I can't, uh, I can't deny what you're perceiving, uh, especially in terms of how you, are uniquely comparing it to a lot of other things that you're watching. Um, See, you know, if, if I can just sort of piggyback off of what Cicero is saying, I I don't think your reaction uh, is, is outside the norm. You know, I I think viewed, viewed with, you know, 50 plus years of, of hindsight, I think TOS is, is, it's, it's a yes, but show, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You watch it with a little bit of like, well, yeah, the, this doesn't look so great. Or yeah, it's that I that might be kind of racist. I don't know. Right. <laughs> yes. Progressive you know? portrayals of multiculturalism, but miniskirts, yes. right? Yes. Yes. right? Right, right, right. <laughs> but you're like, but it, it's the thing that gets us to you know Wrath of mm-hmm. Khan or what you know. Yes, and and so to me that's because uh, because what you're saying, sister. I I tried recently to do a straight through rewatch of of the original series, and what I realized was you know what I think I'm good just kind of like sort of hopscotching through it exactly. and, and, mm-hmm. and picking the highlights. And that's yeah. not denigrating the, the, the collective body of work, but it's also like, you know what? I don't need to watch all of these. Exactly. There, you know? exactly. there are some problematic episodes in TOS that are just best skipped. Honestly. I mean, I, I personally am not comfortable uh, with some of the portrayals of Captain Kirk and uh, younger aged women. It is there's like Miri and some of those episodes can be really uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just skip them because, yeah. you know, I've seen them, I know the stories and they're still there. And, um, you know, I don't have to take away from what I enjoy about TOS by watching the episodes that don't quite fit for me anymore because there is always a piece of the action. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I will, Everything that everyone is saying is 100. Like, I, I agree with completely, even you, Chris. Um, but th- the one thing that I know that I have to do is I have to get through it. I have to watch them in their entirety in order because I know that I'd never done that. Mm-hmm. So I have to ah. do it. And then once I've done it, then I can cherry pick, right? Because there are, That's again, true. there are great episodes of of TOS uh, that you can jump in and watch um, once you've, once you've gained a, a, an appreciation for the ones that you don't watch. Right. So, sure. uh, and, and that's, and that's what, that's what mm-hmm. I need to do. Um, you know, I probably have seen most, uh, probably 85% and maybe even a hundred percent of all of the episodes uh, via uh, syndication, late night syndication back home, but I don't know. I, I know I definitely haven't seen them in order. So, well, and uh, I got to do that. And once. I am fully able to concede that my ability to be objective when it comes to TOS 
is very limited. Um, right. <laughs> so, and, and I, you know, part of it too might just be that I feel like, especially nowadays with um, some of the ways that science fiction has evolved and how there are slicker shows that are better organized in terms of the ideas they're presenting. I, I guess I don't see too many people going to bat for TOS all that often. So I feel like sure. I kind of have to, it's kind of like, honestly, it's yeah. kind of like how I feel with Superman. Although Superman is a lot easier to defend in most cases than some aspects of TOS. Uh, <laughs> Superman, you say, <laughs> I also have a Superman. Podcast. All awesome. Saying. Awesome. He's uh, nice. He, he's a good man. Uh, Rachel, one might say he's super. One, one might. One might indeed. Comma, man. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, you watched TOS the first time all the way through, way back when it was called Netflix Watch Instantly, I think. Wow. Um, I don't know. When you were watching it, I don't know if you got through the entire series when you were doing that, but as a college kid – uh, how did it strike you then, and how does it strike you now? Wait, are you talking about like before I met you? Yeah, didn't you say that you had started to watch? She just, it? She just said that because she liked oh, you. No, she I did. That that I was- did watch it on once. Watch in- did I watch it on watch instead? You had told me that at some point. I don't know. I may have. We're I I definitely in our marriage. No, I definitely like. <laughs> I remember watching it before I met you because I remember like my roommates were making fun of me, and I was like, "No, nah, this is good." And it was like the episode with the Gorn, and <laughs> they were like, "This Arena. is like this is stupid." What? And I was this like, "Nah, good. this is good. I like this." And like, <laughs> I'm not gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah. And like when I met Chris, and he was like, "No, oh, that's my favorite show," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." But like, I, yeah, I mean. Some episodes, it's just, the TV was different back then, you know? Of course. Yeah, and it was right. structured differently. And I, so some episodes are kind of, I don't know, they're not like, not hard to watch because they're like offensive. Because I guess like I know how to partition that. But it's like hard to watch because they're like, like structured in a way that doesn't like keep my attention very well or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then. 55 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're long, right? <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, maybe the act structure was a little different. It's it's hard for me to like really pin down what it is, but something. It's just like I I do get bored at a lot of the episodes. It was, but it, some of the well, episodes the are acting, great. The acting is bad, right? There's there's excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. Hey, hey now. The acting is lopsided. The acting in TOS is lopsided because it's led by an historically, incredibly insane overactor and right. cemented by Leonard Nimoy. So, but I'm not, I'm also not capable of being objective. So you're, uh, that's totally right. fine, Cicero. I, I, <laughs> right. I just wanted to give you crap. That's also, also uh, like the first half of season one, they're still not sure who Spock is. True. Mm-hmm. Volcanian. You know. Volcanian. Yeah. 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 Volcanian. Or yeah, and, and they, was it uh, Rachel and I were looking up because this is what we do when we're just randomly searching things on the internet. We looked up the original text of General Order Seven that restricts people from going to Talos Four, and uh, mm-hmm. for some reason it says Spock, the half Vulcan science officer, and it's like, why is his race? listed on this document of a journey of the enterprise this is a very very odd thing well there's an awful lot of as you know jim exposition regarding spock when it comes to the tos because you would expect someone to have been uh this man's best friend for you know five years at this point or whatever and he's like what is pon far who's your dad talk about stuff like that sometimes guys you don't talk about you have a sister and a brother (laughs) (laughs) he just keeps that shit to himself (laughs) (laughs) and 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 there's no starfleet it's uspa yeah the united space probe agency well so okay so this is funny and we're getting into to pedantic continuity time here but oh man get him ready so so uspa they mention it specifically in uh, a, was it Assignment Earth when they went back in time and they saw and they uh, they brought the pilot on board. That wasn't Assignment. No, that, that's uh, around the sun that's Return to Tomorrow. Return to Tomorrow. Yes, thank you. So 
the, uh, Kirk mentions Yuspa. I saw Michael Okuda speculate that Kirk named Yuspa specific- and granted this is after the fact retconning from a master of the continuity, Michael Okuda. But he speculated that a reason that you could say Kirk mentioned Yuspa instead of the Federation was that Yuspa was an intermediary agency before the founding of the Federation. And then in season four of Enterprise, they attached onto that. And when you see the meeting after uh, they established the Universal Translator, I think in season four, right before they yes. deal with the bout of xenophobia in, in, on, on Earth after the Zindi attack, in the floor, when the ambassador is making a speech, it says the United Earth Space Probe Agency. So look at that. That's I love <laughs> yeah. that stuff. You mentioned you, Send, man. We're uh, all right. I'm into it. Send Okuda his no prize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, while we're talking about pedantic continuity, I got to mention this. Um, my friend Glenn Greenberg, you know, he wrote uh, a comic book, a Star Trek comic uh, miniseries in the late '90s called uh, Untold Voyages. And it's set uh, in the second five-year mission. So it's set after the motion picture. Uh, and it basically, it takes, it's like, I think, six issues. So it takes us from the end of TMP to just before Wrath of Khan, basically, that whole that whole span. And so there's one issue where the characters are on the bridge. It's, it's the secondary characters. And they're talking about, like, the, you know, the... Uh, their most memorable times on the enterprise or something to that effect. And Chekhov is like, Oh, you know, the scariest thing for me was when, when Khan took over the enterprise, it was crazy, you know? And the other, you know, like Uhura and Sula are like, you weren't, you weren't on the enterprise then. Cause that was season one. Right. And, and Chekhov's like, no, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was like uh, stationed wherever, like somewhere else, not on the bridge, you know? <laughs> and, and I think Sula or Uhura, they're like, oh, I just, I can't picture you anywhere, but on the bridge of the enterprise, Pavel. And and he's like, oh, I've been I've been typecast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! And it seems like Koenig uh, he, he wrote his own story that he tells people at conventions about why Khan knew who he was. And I can't remember it off the. He he told it I think in one of the DVD special features for Wrath of Khan, um, but it's been a long time since I've watched those. Uh, but by the way, that movie looks great in 4K. I don't know if you guys have seen the 4K. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It looks amazing. All right. Well, we need uh, we need the motion picture in 4K. Oh, down most to definitely. Deep Space Nine and HD. Yeah. We need all that stuff. <laughs> apparently, um, I don't know if you guys follow the digital bits at all, but apparently they might be gearing up for a 4K release of the original series films. Um, it Ooh. is probably not going to be the director's edition of TMP, unfortunately, but uh, at least it's yeah. something. At least they're doing something with the, the catalog and realizing, hey, we're devoting all of this new content. Maybe we should remaster some of our old content. I don't know. We'll see if I don't know if I can emotionally handle the introduction of the refit enterprise in 4k glory. I (laughs) I really don't know if I can survive that. When, when Rachel and Cicero and I went to the 40th anniversary screening uh, that fathom events put on, I remember just like sitting on the edge of my seat in the movie theater, watching that. And I looked over at Rachel and Cicero and they both looked so bored. Like, I wasn't bored. <laughs> Did you? That is Did the most that? glorious no. six minutes and 35 yeah. seconds. Like, yeah. see motion the picture in the movie theater made it much better. Like, what? that's a movie you got to see in a movie theater for because you need to have no distractions. That's if you're in one. your house, you're going to get up and be like, I think I need a snack right now. But when you're, <laughs> you're, you're come back to, they're still showing the ship. Oh. <laughs> Seems like a good time to pee. Yeah. Right. Well, you have to be like in a dark room and you're not allowed to use your phone. I, and, yeah. I, I like that scene. Regard. Well, anyway, uh, uh, the, the point yeah. is well taken though. Yes. It would be beautiful to see that scene in 4k and, you know, potentially do a Atmos remaster? Why not? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't well, like yeah, well, if they do remaster the score, they really have to change the score for that that scene to bounce around. <laughs> Enterprise porn. I have seen it referred to as such. It's true. It's true. Well, um, uh, so- I, I, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Nor should you be. You're Did a- someone order an extra long nacelle? <laughs> 
<laughs> on that note, uh, we, we do have a couple of, um, of topics that we were going to discuss. Um, controversy in the final frontier. Uh, some old stories seem to have been kind of revived uh, in terms of uh, not great things happening behind the camera in Star Trek. So let's talk about a couple of those. So the first one comes from a, um, a, a cast member from the second season of Discovery, an actor named Andrew Moody, who uh, he appeared as the resident of a colony in the very early part of season two of, of Discovery that was kind of separated from the Federation. Uh, it was a good episode, but apparently he didn't have a very good experience behind the scenes at Discovery. And he, uh, he gave an interview with, I believe it was a podcast called Orville Nation. He said, I could tell the crew and the cast were traumatized by a production team in a writer's room that was in constant flux and power dynamics where you could just tell that they felt threatened. Eventually, the producers of Star Trek threatened me, and I was just like, I don't care. And he talked about the showrunner being fired, and then there was a new showrunner. And a lot of what he says lines up with uh, kind of a well-documented occurrence uh behind the scenes where uh two showrunners uh it was gretchen berg and aaron harberts they took over primarily for the second season but had been fired apparently because of the way they treated people behind the camera we touched on this a little bit at the time uh discovery is a show that had a rather tumultuous beginning um a lot of us here know that it was initially created and developed by Brian Fuller, a guy who's gone on to become one of television's best producers and creators, at least for my money. And he got his start on Star Trek and he went on to do shows like, uh, well, the one that I really loved was Hannibal. Unfortunately, it didn't get the time of day in the end, but um, after Fuller left, uh, some other showrunners came in, Bergen Harberts were among those. And then when Bergen Harberts left, Alex Kurtzman, who's been the Star Trek czar for Paramount on the television side, took over. And then most recently, Michelle Paradise has taken over as the showrunner. So there has been a lot of shuffling. Um, it doesn't seem to have impacted the show's success, considering how much, how many resources Paramount has poured into Star Trek. But um, it, it's unfortunate that Moody had this kind of experience. Cicero, you sent this to me. Uh, I had already seen it, but it, it clearly gave a bit of an impression on you. What was your impression of reading this story as it was recounted by Andrew Moody? Um, so um, pardon me guys, as I cross the streams when I say this, but I will say you will find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, yes, we knew that this was a thing, right? Like we knew that there was some turmoil, right? But when you have turnover, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. You're, you're messing with the water. You're, you know, you're like playing with the puddle. So, like, of course, some some stuff is going to happen, but I, I think this person definitely had a unique experience where where they wound up coming back, coming away, saying that it was the worst professional experience that they've ever had. And I I don't know, I don't know that that's uh, something that the rest of the cast would. Um, would you know you know if those are feelings that the rest of the cast would share um i do suspect that there are there may be a couple of cast members that uh once they're removed from this show or once the show has been off the air for a little while um there may be some things that come to light but i don't know if they're this bad sure yeah zachy when you hear about this kind of turmoil behind the scenes especially as someone who's been covering uh, the entertainment industry for a while. How does that jive with the final product that you absorbed? And do you think it has kind of a, an effect on the, the way that production on the show is approached? I mean, at, at this point, I, you know, 
I'm I'm sort of a uh, I'm looking for independent verification um, above and beyond just what feels like one one person or one or two people. You know, it it this doesn't feel like a a, a groundswell yet to me. You know, it it uh, in terms of what he's saying about about Kurtzman and everything else, uh, and and to the point that you're you're making. I don't, I mean, I think the show is turning out okay. So, and, and Paramount seems to be okay with it. So, you know, I wonder if a lot of this stuff is a little bit overstated. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, considering that uh, conceivably anyway, the problematic personalities were removed relatively early on. Right. Uh, and there have been cast members that have departed the show a couple of years hence and have had nothing but, Good things to say about their experience, like, uh, well, Jason Isaacs is one man that comes to mind. Jason Isaacs isn't known for uh, being meek when asked questions, unless it's about Prime Lorca. But uh, <laughs> for for the most part, he's coming back. <laughs> I'm, hey, man, I'm I'm banging the drum still. I'm I'm gonna bang that drum for as long as I can. But um, I guess the thing that's just kind of disappointing when you hear stuff like this is that. Obviously, Star Trek is a franchise and a series that puts forward a particular set of ideas. And when those ideas are not followed through from the people who make it, it's disappointing. But independent verification is also paramount. No pun intended. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think, to, to Zachy's point, we have not seen that. But at the same time, too, I mean, I, I hope that this guy wouldn't be just talking down on the experience. If there wasn't something there, I don't think he's got a history of it, but you know, it's Hollywood. And what do I, as we've heard in the last couple of episodes, what do I know about the way Hollywood works? Not much. Well, and, and, and to, I mean, and, and to your point, Chris, I mean, it could be, yeah, this guy just had a bad experience. It happens, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Rachel, any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Rick Berman was an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, to, yeah. To, to a fair amount of people from what I understand, yeah. Terry uh, Farrell might agree with you. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah there, mm-hmm. were, there were several people who corroborated that one. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's just sometimes your bosses are assholes. It's sad, but true. Yeah, and yeah. especially after what the entertainment industry has gone through over the last couple of years, not that these kinds of accusations are anywhere near some of the other things that have transpired in the entertainment industry, but you would hope that uh, people learn their lessons and just realize, hey, maybe maybe we should treat each other professionally and not be uh, children when we behave behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, but but it's also, uh, it's, it's a little bit of chemistry too, man. You know, like if you're, like kind of what, what Zachy was alluding to, like if if your pheromones don't mesh well with somebody else's pheromones, like you guys just won't get along. Yeah, oil and water. Right? And he may, have, he may have stumbled into a group of people that, that he wasn't cosmically meshed with. Sure. And, and, and that's all that, you know, and, and that will definitely paint your experience. There, there have been plenty of times where uh, I have gone to, to watch a movie after having, uh, you know, a, a bad conversation or having a bad day or something like that. And, and that affected my ability to enjoy the film that I went to go see. Uh, and, and as a result... I come away saying, I didn't like that movie. And then I'll go back on another day when I feel good about myself or I'm, you know, I'm feeling great. And then I'm like, Oh, you know what? That movie actually wasn't that bad. It was me. That was the jerk. Like <laughs> I was bad at, at that point. Um, and you know, and that, that happens. Yeah. True enough. You know, well, the next controversy, and I don't even know if you can necessarily call it that, uh, oh, you got to. This is a juicy bits show. You know, <laughs> yeah. got to call it controversy. Mm-hmm. That's how you get the clicks, man. Right. <laughs> controversy creates we're all about cash. Them. I think I heard someone say because <laughs> we're just we're just rolling in cash at Discovery Debris. We're yes. controversy gnomes. Telling you know <laughs> underpants and profit. Yes, right. Uh, Step uh, one: controversy. Papa Bill's Papa <laughs> Bill Shatner. Uh, 
Everybody knows him. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I think a lot of Star Trek fans would agree with, you know, it, I think as time has gone on, the 2009 film has only become more and more polarizing. Like not in the sense that people either love it or hate it. I think most people like it. But in terms of how it interacts with the rest of the established franchise, uh, people have pretty passionate perspectives on it. Um, and apparently one man with a passionate perspective on it is a, a guy who is uh, you know, a key star in the franchise's history who has admitted in the past that he's never watched it before outside of the movie he directed. And I don't even know if I believe that. That seems kind of preposterous. But um, – <laughs> So Leonard Nimoy was obviously a key component of the plot of Star Trek 2009. He was the guy that bridged the gap between the, the old cast, the original cast and the new cast, and really the, uh, the prime timeline and the Kelvin timeline. He was the linchpin. He was the, the, the path that allowed characters and events and situations to flow between them. And apparently Shatner has a problem with the way that Leonard Nimoy was used in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek films. And obviously, I never knew Leonard Nimoy the way that William Shatner did, uh, so I can't speak in that respect. But in terms of Shatner's perspective, when he was promoting his new movie with uh, Christopher Lloyd, Senior Moment, he said, Leonard Nimoy was in some of those films, but it was totally gratuitous. They just wanted to put Spock in there, and I didn't admire that. Um, Star Trek is a marvelous show. How it's lasted all these years, why it has all these iterations, I don't know. I spend the time speculating why Star Trek has been and is so popular. In fact, nobody really knows, so I would be delighted to be of Star Trek if it was something worthy. If they could come up with a way of putting a character I played in a movie where it functioned as a point in the movie and made the movie move along, I'd be delighted. What the hell, Bill? That's what they did with Leonard Nimoy. At least that's my <laughs> that's that's my perception. Like he he's talking about this gratuitous cameo, and you might be able to argue that that's what his appearance in Star Trek Into Darkness was, but not the 2009 movie. And on this show, we read the scene that uh, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi wrote for Shatner to appear in a cameo, right. but a rather glorified cameo. Uh, it was a yeah. well-written scene that would have punctuated everything that had happened in the 2009 film. And he turned it down, I guess, because the part wasn't big enough. Um, well, well, my understanding is that they never even reached the point where they offered it to him because he he preemptively was like, I'm not going to do a cameo. Yeah, maybe if he had read the scene, it would have made a difference. <laughs> right? If he had had the... <laughs> no, there's, a, there's something in what you read, Chris, that... You know, I don't know why the show has lasted as long as it has. Bill Shatner says that about Star Trek. You've got problems. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if, if Jim Kirk doesn't know why Star Trek has been popular for 55 years and why it matters the way that this was handled and why we as fans, you know, appreciated being able to see Spock and Leonard Nimoy again, um, well, yeah, no, that's why you didn't get the part there. <laughs> well, I mean, also too, just isn't it more of a Shatnerian thing for him to just take credit for it? I'm surprised he didn't see that as an opportunity to do so. But uh, <laughs> Leonard only did it because I told him he should. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. he could have come up with all sorts of things. No, I mean, I, it's not that something like this makes me mad per se. Fanboy rage, right? Oh God, a fanboy is mad again. What do we do? Um, but it does kind of annoy me just because it seems like Shatner is being willfully ignorant about William Shatner is annoying. Like, yeah. I mean, he's vibe. Yeah. Like he's just, and I've often, that is a very kind way to put that. <laughs> it's annoying. I've, I've often made the, uh, the distinction and I think I've done it in the past on this show that I'm a big fan of Jim Kirk, but not necessarily of William Shatner. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's, it really rings true here. I mean, I, I don't understand why he would characterize the appearance of Spock, which I think most embedded Star Trek fans and even general critics agreed treated the Spock character with a pretty high level of respect. 
in terms of facilitating that passing of the torch. Uh, that was a really mm-hmm. elegant way to do it. It's far more elegant than the passing of the torch that Shatner himself did in 1994. Uh, you guys know <laughs> yeah. I have problems with that anyway. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that was also something he signed off on. If he was really so keen to continue participating in Star Trek, maybe he shouldn't have signed off on them killing his character. I don't know. I'm curious about what you guys think. <laughs> oh, um, oh, Cicero, you want to? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Please, Rachel. Rachel please what do you think of all of this in terms of like the 2009 movie how it treated spock the way it made you feel and shatner's uh perceptions of what the movie did wasn't shatner always an asshole <laughs> there's a com- chime in a there's a refrain emerging in this episode remind you about the assholes i don't know i mean i'm just remembering him like i you know within the last couple of months i watched this old snl his old SNL thing from oh, like the eighties or get whatever. Get life. Like, get a life. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like what a jerk. And <laughs> I, I just feel like this is like, he makes a lot of money from having been uh, Captain Kirk. Yes. And so he's like, plays along with it. But I really feel like the, the get a life is the real William Shatner mm-hmm. and um, I think we have a winner <laughs> yeah and I think so I just don't I don't think he has a, an appreciation for it and I think he's just sort of doesn't get like why you would like to see Spock or I don't know it kind of sounds like he doesn't remember the movie super well because like <laughs> Spock was very integral to the plot yeah. I would not call that gratuitous he is quite old he might not remember it super well he may be confusing into darkness with something else (laughs) i don't know maybe he's confused but he's was an asshole to begin with and now he's confused it it enhances it so like i don't i'm but it's also like i just don't care what he thinks so i'm like okay like i think of um you know old man yells at cloud from the simpsons (laughs) in this case old man yells at starship yeah sure it's like okay whatever well and uh my my personal perspectives on shatner a lot of them were shaped by reading george takei's autobiography maybe that's for good or for ill Mm. uh because takei you know notoriously has not gotten along with shatner but at the same time if i detected a kernel of mistruth i probably wouldn't take it as gospel but Takei seems like a pretty forthright guy and i've directly interacted with him a couple of times and it's always been positive but at the same time i know that shatner always gets positive reviews at conventions when he deals with people uh and with fans like he gave uh marcus a friend who was a groomsman oh, of mine. Yeah, I remember that. He gave Marcus, a really good friend of mine, a, a free signature over the objections of a uh, of a handler at a convention in Seattle. So that's cool, but doesn't really say much about his perceptions here. Anyway, Cicero, you were about to say something. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I I, I was about to say something. It's it's quite all right. Um, it is your prerogative as the captain. Much like uh, James C. Kirk, uh, but but you know, but Bill Shatner thinks himself uh, thinks of himself as the captain. Um, but really, like the the thing that we've got to remember is that Bill Shatner did a job, right? And his job was to be James Tiberius Kirk, and in all of these iterations and that job really took off and people really fell in love with that character. And he wasn't one of those people. He fell in love with the adulation, right? And the, and the fame and the money, but not the character. And, and many of his coworkers, however, did they became, instead of just being Star Trek employees, they also became Star Trek fans and so they became one of us. They understood why this was so important, right? Nichelle Nichols obviously understood why she was important. And and George Takei obviously understood why he was important. And, you know, and, and all of these other guys really embraced 
the, just the the kind of the the Star Trek dogma, like why people understood, you know, what Star Trek was and why it meant so much to people. Um, like like Dan said, if you don't understand, right? Like you're James Kirk, and you don't understand why people love Star Trek, you're just not trying. Yeah, you're just not trying, right? Like that's willful ignorance. Very true. And and you know and but. But you, but he comes from a place of privilege where he he doesn't have to know about the minutia of of what Star Trek is all about because he'll still get invited to all of the conventions because he's the guy, he's the Trek in the Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. or he's the star in the Star Trek, <laughs> as it were. Um, and you know, it it only makes. It only makes Tim Allen's role in Galaxy Quest more of a documentary <laughs> than, than, it, than it was, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, it's, but it's his prerogative to be that way. And I don't begrudge the guy for, like, he didn't aspire to be Captain Kirk, he aspired to be an actor. And he, he lucked into getting this role that was going to pay him a lot of money and was going to allow him to act. So, you know, more power to you. Bravo, sir. Um, now, feeling like if someone puts a microphone in front of your face, that you can speak authoritatively on this thing that you quite frankly know nothing about. Like, you don't know anything about Star Trek, really. Right? You just know that you... You played the character. That's it. So, like, you know, that's it's folly for you to if if by your own admission you don't watch the show, like you don't watch your work, uh, then you there's no way for you to be able to sit back and say, oh, my my buddy's uh, inclusion in this film that I didn't watch was gratuitous. What? <laughs> <laughs> Go somewhere and sit down, old man. (laughs) You know, like, uh, look, collect your checks. I'm happy. You can be a jerk. It's it's it is it is well within your rights to be uh, a a a buffoonish asshole. Um, But uh, but like, you know, if you don't if you don't watch a thing, you can't sit here and talk about how it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I had a lot of conversations with people when I was working in a comic book store that had that very same thesis. But uh, right, it's funny that we're talking about an eighty-six-year-old actor. Yeah, but, well, hey, who knows? No, he's ninety plus. Oh, he's, he's ninety, 90. Oh, he's 90 plus. Yeah, he's he's ninety. I'm behind he's the legit times. ninety. Yeah, you're right. He just yeah. turned ninety. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's been hot in Washington. I'm going to chalk it up to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Zachy, this has to. Uh, conjure some feelings for you just because as someone who is also a pretty big TOS fan, as well as someone who talks about his appreciation for what the Kelvin timeline tried to do with those characters. When you hear the grand Papa bear of Star Trek TOS uh, speak these kinds of ideas, what kinds of ideas are conjured in your head? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think it was James doing who, who said, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of Captain Kirk. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of the guy who plays him or something to that effect, you know? And and I think I've long, I mean, for decades, I've sort of made that mental demarcation. Like, Captain Kirk is, like, is, is the guy. William Shatner is a guy. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, and, and we know his deal. You know, I, I find it difficult to believe he's seen either of the, the movies that, the, the Kelvin movies that Leonard Nimoy was in. So his opinion of that doesn't particularly hold much water. Uh, that said, Hey, you know what? Being 90 plus and starring in a movie, uh, you know, good on him. And I watched the movie. It's not very good, but he's, he's, you know, he's got a presence that at least for me, like I enjoyed watching him and I'm like, you know, it, it to be 90 plus years old and still doing your thing. Good, good on you. Uh, good on you. Shat. You know, yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you keep, keep doing your thing. You know, yeah. um, but but as it pertains to Leonard Nimoy in the Kelvin films, wh- I would 
fundamentally disagree with with his characterization if for no other reason than when you think about it before the kelvin films uh spock the the nimoy spock had been retired effectively for uh, you know close to two decades and the existence of those films allowed when you think about it they allowed for that character to exist within a paradigm where when the actor passed uh, we were able to mourn the passage of the character too. Does that make sense? Right. Like that was, right. that's a thing, you know, it uh, just yeah. to plot a plot, a parallel. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the TV show Dallas from, from the seventies and eighties. Sure. And um, you know, J.R. Ewing was like the big character. Larry Hagen. Mm-hmm. Right? And so in about 10 years ago, they brought back Dallas for three seasons. And in the middle of that run, in the, in the middle of the second season, Larry Hagman died. And right. and so during, you know, if you have uh, Larry Hagman dies, you have to write out JR. And so they allowed for sort of the character to have this grand finale, right? And I, my, and then the show ended. It, it got canceled after the third season. I remember saying to my wife, I was like, you know, if nothing else, that show existed at exactly a moment that JR's death got to be a story. Right. And that's how I feel about Nimoy Spock. Like Nimoy Spock got to be a story in the canon. And that's something. You know, that's something we all got to experience together. Right. And so that's why if for no other reason I would push back against uh Shatner's characterization above and beyond like well, Nimoy was not shy about saying no thanks when the role didn't interest him. They came to him with it and he was down. And then they came to him again, and he was down. So it's not like they had a gun to his head. He chose to do it. And again, he he had no interest in reprising Spock in Generations, which tells you something. Uh, right. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> He's a genius? <laughs> I mean, so I'm kind of putting Shatner's comments to one side, because I'm like, he doesn't know what he's saying anyway, whatever. Right. But I'm kind of like, you know, we, we got to experience Spock's death and that's that by itself is meaningful because and this is something you know when I when I interviewed uh, Adam Nimoy like five years ago that's what I said to him I was like I was like Spock because of those films Spock has a beginning middle and end and what an amazing journey for a character over for a 50-year journey you know right amazing particularly rare and very few get that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, particularly rare. In well, and then, you know, Spock is like the through line between the, it connects every era of the franchise. Yeah. Even in yeah. postmortem, in this, spoiler alert, Discovery season three. Sorry, Zachy. Uh, <laughs> I know um, about that. But then, you know, he's a, he's, he, his character is a through line through the entire franchise um, and kind of a closed loop now. So, yeah, that's, that's a, a unique, um, I think that was a, a unique character story that we'll be able to appreciate and if any character deserves to be that through line in star trek it's spock and mm-hmm. it's spock because of leonard well nimoy so uh yes yeah i think that that's very well expressed yeah. as usual i have nothing to add i think um we can chalk it up to some of rachel's early explanations uh and we can leave it at that and move on to the so future. i do i do have one thing to add sure. right by by in in the form of trivia um i just want to say like all of my uh the 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 denigration of shatner the actor and his relationship with star trek aside i love bill shatner the actor sure. because he, everything he's in is ridiculous <laughs> right right like Everything, everything. Like I just want him. Like I wish they could have had him on Game of Thrones. Because like, Shatner on Game of Thrones would have been outrageous, outrageous. So one of my favorite things on TV that I can't find, like it, it is my like it's not a holy grail, but it is like it is the 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 old man of the sea trying to bring the fish back. Um, is there was a show that Shatner did, I think it was on sci-fi, where he wound up going to some town and it was like a scripted reality oh, TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where he yeah. was like, the town was visited by aliens or something. And like, it was supposed to be like a prank show, but 
some people weren't in on the prank or something like that. I forget what it was, but the premise was ridiculous. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it was gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember the name of it. Can someone please remind me what the name of that show was? Hit me up on Invasion Twitter. Iowa. Yes. There we go, Zachy to the rescue as always. Uh, yes, I I need to see if I can find that show um, because I started watching it and then I you know I think it 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 was in the days before like right before the DVR but but uh, but it was after the TV guide so and then it wound up getting moved around and who knows what happened to it. Um, but uh, that, that show, a, that show, by the way, is created by the guys who wrote the Deadpool movies. Look at that! Yeah, look at that. <laughs> sure enough, it looks like it yeah, was on natural through line. It was on Spike TV. That's so Spike. That's, that's right. what it, it was. It right? might be a Paramount show, if I'm remembering <laughs> my ownership correctly. So that would be. Well, I was, what was the name of it? Invasion, Invasion Iowa. Iowa. Invasion Iowa. Okay, give me just a second here. Original see. release March 29th to April 1st, 2005. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh. Yes. Oh, man. It. Uh... Wow. Well, we'll have to – maybe if we can find the copies of it, we'll have to do a, a discovery debrief watch through of Invasion <laughs> oh, oh, man, please. That might be fun. Please. Uh, it's not turning up on Just Watch, so I don't know. Yeah, oh, you and I – man, oh, my gosh, we're cut from the same cloth because we're doing the same thing <laughs> at the same time. So, <laughs> Well, um, you know, we were going to probably we, – we were going to talk about one thing, but I think we're kind of running up against the clock here. We kind of wanted to just get together and chat through a couple of things that happened in terms of Star Trek news. We do have a lot of other things in the franchise to talk about in the future, not the least of which being the return of lower decks. Um, the crew here is going to deliberate internally about how we're going to approach the next season of lower decks, because I think we'd like to get together for it. Uh, and since it's only a half hour show, um, you know, it doesn't constitute a huge uh, set aside of time uh, in terms of watching it. But of course, organizing all of our schedules is going to be another thing. So Please keep a, uh, a lookout for the future for uh, for the next episode of Debrief. Uh, we'll try to get together one more time before Lower Decks actually kicks back up in August. Right now we're recording this on July 3rd of, of 2021, and I'm putting that in there so that I can get this episode out the door quickly. Uh, that's, that's what accountability <laughs> – that's what I try to have accountability look like anyway. But um, – Thanks again for, uh, for, for coming back aboard, uh, Dan, or coming aboard for the first time, I should say. Uh, before we actually do our sign-off, um, why don't you plug one more time your, uh, your show and your, your presence on Twitter for us? Oh, right on. Yeah, again, hello, everyone. Or, yes, at this point, we'll be seeing you on, uh, at some point in the future. But um, you can find me on Twitter at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R under the handle The Commodore. And um, there you will find much Trek Raconteur uh, and uh, hopefully terrible dad jokes. And um, you can listen to me weekly with a guest, more importantly, listening to the guest on uh, Bad Choices in Bourbon. Um, you can find that on anchor.fm slash BNCB. And uh, yeah, that BCNB. Sorry. Yeah. Anchor.fm, Bad Choices in Bourbon, BCNB. And um, as I mentioned kind of briefly there, there is also a Superman podcast uh, tw- uh, every every two weeks, uh, my friend Josh and I uh, release a, a celebration uh, of the Man of Tomorrow um, under the title Josh, Dan, and Superman, and uh, we have a lot of fun talking about the Man of Steel over there on that show. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check in on that myself. That sounds a lot of fun. Well, thanks again for for coming aboard uh, from the the crew. Anything else you folks would like to add before we sign off, Cicero? Uh, I just want to say that uh, yeah, guys, we have to watch Invasion Iowa because uh, the 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 basis of the story is that uh, Captain well Shatner goes to the town where Captain Kirk was born. Riverside. Oh, okay. In yeah, Iowa. I think I'm starting yes. to remember that. I think I remember and, seeing and, 
and there was like an alien invasion or something. I don't know. Uh, he, Hilarity he, ensues. He tells them he's in town to film a sci-fi movie. Right. And the whole cast and crew is sort of this hyper-exaggerated parody of film crews. And the purpose of the show is to sort of see how these regular uh, salt of the earth folks react to these cartoonish Hollywood caricatures in their midst. All right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to yeah. see if we can find it. Cause that sounds like it would be fun. I don't think I watched it at the time, but spike TV was where a lot of the star Trek reruns were happening back at that time. And I remember right, watching those okay. uh, pretty religiously because it was well before the, the days of DVD. Uh, because they had had those shows for a while. But anyway, well said, Cicero. We'll see if we can do that. Zachy, anything else you'd like to throw in before we uh, before we dismiss here? Well, as we record, it is G- uh, July 3rd, and I hope everybody, uh, by the time you're listening to this, I hope everybody had a safe and relaxing 4th of July weekend. I hope you're vaccinated. Please do that. Uh, yes. Uh, I, we're all Star Trek fans, so I know we're not anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Yes, well said. Rachel, Dr. Rachel, anything you'd like to add? Um, no. <laughs> I was trying to think of who to call an asshole, but I... You already, yeah, you already did it. It's, it's, yeah, it's been I done. Well, it's, it's well known that... <laughs> all right well uh everybody thanks for listening again that's going to do it for episode 59 of discovery debrief and that's there is the perils of having an apartment close to the freeway Uh, motorcycles episode 59 of discovery debrief we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please like and follow us on our social media channels if you'd be so kind we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on itunes or facebook it only takes a minute and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted if you have any questions you can follow the show on twitter at dsc debrief or you can also find all of our individual twitter handles and feel free to send us questions through twitter our facebook like page or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us next time as we hopefully get ready to discuss brand new adventures from the final frontier. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶